This is the very wordy word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Now, <laughs> although I have preached over a thousand sermons in this very room, I'm pretty sure I've never preached on the begats. The beginning of the gospel according to Matthew. To be honest, I don't think I've ever read it before. Even though it's the first part of the first chapter of the first book of the New Testament, I think I generally skip right over it to get to the good part. The story of Joseph and his fiancée Mary and this baby they mysteriously give birth to. So, why do I trouble you with it today? Well, as a congregation, as a community, we are spending the season of Advent thinking about where Jesus comes from. And we're doing that in order to better understand who Jesus is for us. And we hope, since Advent is the season of hope, we hope that doing that will help us to know better who we are as individuals and as a, a community of would-be faithful people. We each come from things, each of us. We come from people and places, and we come from experiences, and we come from stories. And all of those things make us us. Jesus also, Jesus also comes from people and places and experiences and stories. So today, we're starting with the people. The people Jesus comes from. And for Matthew, that means the begats. Each of us has a name. Each of us has a history and an ancestry. We all come from somewhere, and we all come from someone. My mom's people came from Holland somewhere back in time, but she really didn't know much about that. My dad, on the other hand, loved to tell stories about his parents and his grandparents and his great-grandparents, and after that I got lost. But one story in particular I was taken with. Dad's great-grandmother was from Elgin, Scotland, and Dad used to tell us that she was a lady of Scotland. When we asked what that meant, he said, well, that gave her permission to walk on the city walls of Elgin, parasol in hand. I liked the idea of being distantly related to royalty. And so a number of years ago, when we were in Scotland, we went to Elgin, and we found, to my great delight, that there was a whole genealogy center there, put up for people like me, I guess. The director of the center was super, super helpful, and when I told him the details of my vaguely royal ancestor, he went right through the files and found a record of her, sure enough. And the records told us that she was born naturally, a polite Scottish way of saying she was born out of wedlock, in a scrappy, tiny village in the Scottish countryside. And then she came to Elgin, and the only other record that they had said that after marrying her husband passed away, the family went bankrupt and lost their home and their business, and she went on the dole, which is why there was a record of her. I guess I looked a little crestfallen <laughs> at my sudden loss of royal lineage. 
because the director then told me in his Scottish accent that I'll try to imitate and won't do well, he said, Dunna you worry, me ain't pa I never can. Me ma had a wee quickie. I know what that was. Me ma had a wee quickie with Summit. And then you can, I turned out just fine. <laughs> Matthew makes no effort to hide the good, the bad, and the ugly as he recites the genealogy of Jesus. He mentions Jacob, the trickster, who robs his brother of his birthright. He mentions Judah, who seduces his daughter-in-law, thinking she's a prostitute because sometimes we need to learn from our forebears how not to be. He doesn't skip over King David, whose heir comes after he rapes a married woman he takes a fancy to, and then he has her husband killed. He talks about their son Solomon and the child that Solomon has with one of his 700 wives and 300 concubines. He includes the good rulers and the really bad ones. He includes the faithful and the idolatrous, the good and the merely greedy. Unusually for a patriarchal culture, he includes women in this genealogy. Not only Tamar and Rahab and Bathsheba, but Ruth, who is a foreign-born immigrant to Israel. And the patriarchy begins to break down. And Matthew somewhat grudgingly admits that Joseph is, according to Christian teachings, this whole ancestry that he's traced to Joseph, Joseph is not the genetic natural father of Jesus, but rather a sort of stepfather. But that doesn't matter, because Matthew knows that many, many people go into making us us and not merely those related to us genetically. And whether or not Jesus is connected genetically to royalty, he's still, for Matthew, the king of kings and the Lord of the Lords. Matthew knows that what he terms in Greek the, the genesis of Jesus, the origin story of Jesus, includes all kinds of people, all kinds of people. And that's true of each of us. That's true of each of us as well. We all come from all sorts of people, and they make us who we are. The writer of 2 Timothy knows about this, and he acknowledges that, although that although he laid hands on Timothy, he can't take credit for who Timothy has become. That distinction goes to Timothy's foremothers, to Lois, Timothy's grandmother, to Eunice, his mother, the women who make up the genealogy of his faith, the genesis of him. Today I'm thinking of my own foremothers. I'm thinking of Pat Rothrock and Etta Shepherd, women who led this church prophetically for many years. I'm thinking of Ann Eaton and Betty Ruth Good. I'm thinking of Jeannie Volts. I'm thinking of my mom. And I'm thinking of Frances Helen Guest. These women have birthed me in real and significant ways. They've birthed my faith. They've given me a holy hope. And as Grace Paley points out, the only recognizable feature of hope is action. To which Frances Helen is now saying, you bet. Which 
people in your story make up the genesis of you. Who do you come from? What giants of the faith have imparted the hope that is within you? And what ethically compromised ancestors tell you that you don't need to be perfect in order to be authentically human? And in fact, humans don't really come in perfect. And so I invite you in this season of Advent, this holy season, to consider and honor and thank and acknowledge all of those whose lives have, have been poured into your life, who look down upon you as a great cloud of witnesses surrounding you and blessing you and challenging you. They love you. And they are so proud of you. Because, Denny, you can, you come out just fine. Let us pray. God, we are surrounded, each of us, by a great cloud of witnesses. We are aware of those witnesses, those martyrs to the faith, those who testified to your way of love and justice and reconciliation at times when that was not always a popular message to be giving. We thank you that they imparted their wisdom, which is really your wisdom. We thank you that they imparted to us their love, which is really your love. We ask only this, that we might live lives that reflect their faith and their hope, their courage, and their sense of the way your will would have us be, each of us and all of us. Amen? Amen.